Pastor Xavier Reese with some simple words of exhortation regarding the Christian life. Paul compares the Christian life as a race. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward the things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the pride for the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Too many people are running forward looking backwards so they can't make progress. If you're going to run seriously to win, you're not going to be there with boots. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. President, Prime Minister, King, or Queen. Whatever the title, most people understand the importance of such leaders. But today, Pastor Xavier unveils the life of one of the greatest apostles and shows that no matter his position, he still chose to be a servant. Here he is with another encouraging study from our study series in the book of 1 Corinthians on today's edition of Simple Truths. Paul lays out the giving up of his right to be supported as an apostle in three ways. Let's begin here. The rights of an apostle. Paul asks four rhetorical questions to affirm his apostleship. Am I not an apostle? He's called the apostle of the Gentiles. In fact, when he opened this letter, he called himself Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. They knew that. He's reminding them of who he is. Then he says, am I not free? He was free as the Corinthians to eat meats. Offered titles, no big deal. He just finished talking about that. He asked, do we have no right to eat and drink? Yes, we do. He asked, do we have no right to take along a believing wife? As do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. The context is in ministry. Couldn't one of them bring a wife and, 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 and they would also provide food for her? Yes. The early apostles were married. Paul most likely was married also because he belonged to the Sanhedrin. You had to be married. Now notice he asked, Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? No. Again, the context is regarding ministry. As you know, Paul's craft was a tent maker. And he provided with his own hands for his necessities as well as others. Acts 18.3 in fact, in the second letter to the Thessalonians, in chapter 3, verse 7 through 10, he says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anybody's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day to exhaustion. That's the word. That we might not be burdened to any one of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you that if anyone will not work, neither shall we he eat. What an example. In verse 7, Paul declared three more rhetorical questions from the everyday life. He asked, whoever goes to war at his own expense, no one. When you go in the Army, the Marines, the Navy, or the Air Force, they supply everything. Now you have to pay a little portion for a uniform, but they supply They don't say, listen, do you, have a, do you have a 22 you can bring? No. They don't say, make sure you have new boots when you come. He asks, who plants the vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? No one. The farmer is the first partaker of his fruits. 
Who tends the flock and does not drink the milk of the flock? No one. This is common sense. Notice in 8 through 10, Paul called for the witness of the law now as to what he was saying. He asked, in other words, am I twisting the scriptures for my own profit to justify my own benefit? No. If you examine this chapter, Paul is not making the case for himself. In fact, he's making the case that they should support others who are in ministry. But he doesn't want to partake. What an example. Wow. He stated, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. The emphasis on the law of Moses. Deuteronomy 25.4 The Gentiles would muzzle an ox as it tread the corn went around in circles so it wouldn't eat the grain because it's stepping and dragging the stuff to break the, the husk from the shell. God says, listen, an animal at least has to eat. If he's working, let him eat. This is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is illuminated to interpret the ox as a type and the preacher as the anti-type, the fulfillment, a kind of allegory. He asks, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? No. The value of the gospel cannot even be compared to the financial compensation. Notice secondly. In 12 there, the apostle Paul declared his blamelessness. Having said all this, nevertheless, we have not used this right, clearing any false allegation against him. Nevertheless, in sharp contrast to those who have used the right. Now, he's not looking down on those who have exercised. In fact, he is establishing and saying, yes, you should support them. Okay? He denied he was a hireling, Timothy or Silas. They never came for that reason. And then Paul revealed his heart of love for the sinners and saints by two things. Their commitment, but endure all things. Wow. They willingly endured to keep by cover secretly financial hardships and sufferings with contentment. The reasoning, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. He didn't want to stumble anybody. It goes along with chapter 8, verse 9. The stumbling of the weak brethren. Same thing. Look at 13 and 14. Paul declared two more sources for the right to receive wages in rhetorical questions. He points out the Old Testament priesthood compensated in 13. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things, either the things of the temple and those who serve in the altar partake of the office of the temple? This is common knowledge. He's not talking about pagan temples, but that of the Levitical priesthood. He pointed out the Lord commanded the compensation of those who preach the gospel. So he makes a connection. Even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel or from the gospel. This is the highest authority of all the examples he gives. The law and the words of Jesus. Jesus because it's the fulfillment of all the law. Paul was quoting the words of Jesus. He said this in Matthew 10.10 and Luke 10.7. And remain in the same house, talking to the disciples, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. There's where he picks up the principle. Okay? The words of Jesus. Paul has provided a total of six proofs for financial support if and when God is in the work. There's the key. 
There are a lot of people in ministry that have never been called to ministry, but they just use scriptures that people have to support them in ministry. No, not so. Not so at all. If God's in the work, then the people should be able to see that God's in the work. And the people should never be pressured for the work. Ever. Look at 15 through 18. Paul declared his committed integrity here. A man of his word. Integrity. Verse 15. His motive is writing these things was pure and blameless. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than to anyone should make my boasting void. He had not used any of these things to receive the wages in the past or the present. He didn't do it in the past, and he's still not doing it now or pursuing it. It's very clear by the reading of the chapter. He had not written in order to demand the rights in the present. And notice, it would be better for him that he die rather than to have someone charge him with soliciting finances and making his confident clarification of denying this as an exaggeration or as a lie. Wow. Paul didn't send out newsletters. He didn't send out pleas for money. The church did not send Paul out. The Holy Spirit sent and called him out. Okay? There's the difference. Too many people are sent out by the church that God has never called. Very important. His boasting was not about himself, but that he preached the gospel for no charge. Look at 16. He was called to preach the gospel. It brought great responsibility to him. Paul had nothing to glory in if he preached the gospel. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for necessity is laid upon me. Great responsibility. He received the charge from Jesus, Acts 9. And he speaks about it in Corinthians and Galatians and other places. Now notice Paul looked at, at it as a judgment to him if he did not obey his call. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me. He's not on a horse. It's judgment. Paul said, God honors submissive obedience from the heart. For if I so do... Willingly, I have a reward. Great responsibility. Great accountability. Woe is me. Look at 18. His reward was based on being obedient to his call by Jesus. Paul knew he was to provide for himself in ministry. This was Paul's call. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge. This was Paul's unique call. He's not arguing against providing. He's setting the case to, for others to be provided for. You understand? He did not compare himself among others, lest he be unwise. He took his own counsel. Now notice Paul would be Misusing his apostolic authority by disobeying God, the Lord. That I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. For Paul to receive wages full time from Corinth or anybody else would have been disobedient to the Lord. Is it wrong in and of itself? No, but for him it would be. The key to God's provision is in doing only what God calls you to do the way God calls you to do it. It's all God's glory. 
The illustration was that Paul willfully denied himself the right of an apostle. Notice thirdly, in verse 19 through 27, the rights of an apostle are to serve the application. In verse 19 through 23, the apostle Paul declared that he used his freedom to win men to Christ. Paul pointed out his, his pay and reward. Listen carefully. He posed the question, what is my reward then? He states two things. To not be supported by man. That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge. He did not want to be obligated to the wealthy guy in the church, to a group of men, to some community, to some board who manipulates or cuts him off or tells him how to do ministry. That's the problem. To not misuse his delegated authority, that I might not abuse my authority in the gospel. Look at 19. Paul forfeited his freedom. Willingly, he not being indebted or obligated to any man for support, still made himself a bondservant, that's the word, to all out of love. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Since he was free, he was dependent on the Lord, he didn't have to please anybody, he, didn't have, he could follow the Lord's direction. This is what happens in ministry. Pastors become tied to other people and become politically correct, and then they are doing what they're told to do. Whether it be by the church, or be it by their denomination, or whoever it may be. And they're no longer free. He did it in order to win many to Christ that I might win the more. Look at 20. Paul became whatever was necessary to communicate Christ due to love. To the Jew he became a Jew. To the one who was under the strict law like the Pharisees under law. He went along with it. As you know, Paul was arrested in the temple when he was sponsoring a couple of young men in a vow. It didn't contradict the atonement of Christ. That was ritualistic things, ceremonial things, didn't deal with that. But he also circumcised Timothy because his mother was a Jew. Acts 16, 3. But there's no contradiction there because he was Jewish. And then he says he didn't impose the law upon the Gentiles, those who were not under the law. He became without the law, but then he qualifies it, but not without the law of Christ. What's the, what's the law of Christ? Love. So he never did anything that contradicted the grace of God. Whatever he needed to become, he became to save those in Christ. Two purposes in mind there. Look at 23. He did it for the benefit of the gospel. Now this I do for the sake, or the gospel's sake. To witness the power of the gospel, to convict sinners, and to witness the efficiency of the gospel, to forgive and bring sinners to repentance. What an amazing thing as you preach the gospel, as you teach the word of God. The most amazing mystery is to see God transform lives. Just amazing. He did it that he might share in the same fellowship with the community of God's redeemed. This is great. That I may be partakers of it with you. Partakers, a participant with others. Joint partnership. Paul is saying, I'm just like you. I'm a sinner. I'm not above you. I'm a joint partner with you. Wow, you talk about humility. Notice 24 through 27. The Apostle Paul declared that the restriction of one's freedom to serve others comes through a disciplined life. In 24, Paul compares the Christian life as a race. 
The question again is rhetorical. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Yes, we know that. The picture is the Ithmian Games, second to the Olympics, every two years there at Corinth. Only one would win. He gives the exhortation in the race to save souls. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. If you're going to run seriously to win, you're not going to be there with boots. A pack on your back. The Christian life is for the winning of souls. The commitment is to win, not simply to run. Look at 25. Paul declared the Christian life is for greater reward than the athlete. He points out the example of athletes, self-denial. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. The word tempered means simply to have self-control. The exercise of self-restraint in their strict training and diet. Tolerating pain. If you were an athlete in any way, seriously, when I competed in university... I, I, I competed with, with, with a fractured bones and with calluses and ble- It didn't matter. I had that goal, that trophy in mind. Enduring pain, everything else. Notice he points out athletics live to win something temporal. A temporal thing. We eternal. Now, they do it for, to obtain a perishable crown. But we, for an imperishable crown. Everyone did it for a corruptible crown here. A garland. As a crown, an oak leaf that would surely fade away. Can you imagine? Because that wasn't the big thing. The big thing was that everybody would know who I was. They would honor me. They would open the city to you. You would be known. It's the pride, the prestige. The believer for an imperishable crown. Stephanos, the victor's crown at the Olympics or the Isthmian Games. Not the crown of a, of a king, Diadena. Then look at 26. Paul declared his commitment to the Christian race. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He runs as an athlete, not as uncertain, which means he runs with a clear perception of his object and goal. He fought as a boxer to defeat his opponent. He uses these athletic terms. These metaphors. The word fight there means as a boxer, but not as shadow boxing. But beat Daryl to thrash and knock out his opponent. <laughs> I think Paul probably went to a lot of these things. <laughs> Look at 27. Paul declared the Christian life is a daily struggle with sin nature. He's talking about this. He fights to knock out the old man daily. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. The word discipline means to hit under the eye to make it black and blue. It's used for the woman who worried the judge who didn't fear God in Luke 18.5. The purpose is to knock the old man out and keep him as a slave so as not to assert control. Romans 6, 6, 6, 11. You have been, the old man's dead, been crucified, but you have to continue to crucify him daily. We must knock the old man out day by day, round by round, until the fight is over when you go home. You understand the discipline? <laughs> he gives the reason for keeping his sin nature in check. To remain in the race as a legitimate contestant. 
lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Pretty heavy words. The phrase having preached, caruso, means to be commissioned to proclaim. This is a professional proclaimer. The message was given to him, it didn't belong to him. The authority was vested to him, it wasn't his own. He was not responsible for the response to the proclamation. He was only responsible for making the proclamation. This is the preacher. The potential danger, I myself should be disqualified. It means to be disapproved, rejected at the end. It's use of testing metals and coins. The application to an athletic arena here cannot be missed. It's translated properly, disqualified. Paul says he feared that. Why? Because he just acknowledges a sinner like you and I. That's good. There have been many Olympians who have disqualified themselves, as you know, in our own lifetime, let alone in the past. Because they took steroids or whatever it may be. All that hard work for nothing. The Christian is warned about impeding himself in the race. Listen to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What is it that hinders you from running the way you should run? What is it that keeps you from obeying the Lord in the things that He's called you to do? Are you running to win? The race is a custom-made course throughout life for you. That custom-made course will show you what a creep you are, how weak you are, and warn you about your strengths. It's custom-made course. Listen, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. Custom made course. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize for the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Too many people are running forward looking backwards. So they can't make progress. Very important. Listen to Acts 20, 24, as Paul is telling the Ephesian elders, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Did he make it? Listen to the triumphal exit of Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. In the time my departure is at hand, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? Are you looking forward to it? Paul used the rights of an apostle to serve others, bringing them to Christ. What an incredible chapter. <laughs> Paul has declared to us the giving up of his rights as an apostle to receive finances in these three ways. The proclamation was that Paul had the financial right as an apostle. The illustration was that Paul willfully denied himself 
the right of an apostle. And the application was that Paul, having the right of an apostle, he used it to serve, to bring others to Christ. Great stuff. Needed today. So much. Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple challenge for those who want to live as true servants of the King. Now, if you've missed any part of this important study, or perhaps wish to pass it along to a friend, you can request a copy, and it's simply titled, Self-Denial Motivated by Love. It's available on CD for just $4. By the way, this message will contain everything that Pastor Xavier shared last time as well. The title to ask for once again is, Self-Denial Motivated by Love. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 